Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Sandy Almendares, Content Director. Hi, and welcome to a Healthy Insider Podcast. I am Sandy, and on the phone, I have Karen Howard, who is the CEO and Executive Director of the Organic and Natural Health Association. Hi, Karen. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are going to talk about the making of a supplement claim, which Karen has a lot of experience in, recent experience as well. So Karen has spent more than 30 years working with Congress, state legislators, and healthcare organizations to help develop innovative healthcare policy and programs. She's held a variety of executive positions, including serving as professional staff for a congressional committee, and as policy expertise in the diverse areas of integrative and complementary medicine, managed care, healthcare technology, and mental health. Prior to joining ONN, she served as the president of the National Animal Supplement Council, served as an executive director for both the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians and the Association of Accredited Naturopathic Medical Schools. So, Organic and Natural Health Association worked with a research partner, Grassroots Health, on on research regarding vitamin D. And they took this research and they submitted a petition to FDA to allow supplements that contain vitamin D to make claims about the association between vitamin D and a decreased risk of preterm births. And the story just gets more interesting from there. So Karen, I'm gonna let you take it away. Can you tell us uh, about this petition um, and the submission process to FDA and how it came about? Absolutely. Uh, so there are a couple of things that that drive action at Organic and Natural Health. One of them, we, we basically focus on research, consumer education, and advocacy, right? And and one of the things that has um, plagued us as an industry, frankly, and certainly has been an issue for organic and natural, is this claims submission process. Not the submission, but necessarily, although that has its issues too, but how we use health claims and what these structure function claims are and how it's confusing for the public and essentially just kind of a an exercise in futility to get a message out to practitioners and and consumers. So when we looked at the body of evidence about the effectiveness of vitamin D, we realized that our strength was essentially not just in the project that had been completed by Grassroots Health that demonstrated a 60% reduction in preterm births with higher levels of vitamin C, but the whole body of evidence that existed was about three feet tall. And our objective was to demonstrate that it was serum level that was making a difference for preterm birth, not necessarily the amount of vitamin D that you take. Because the failure of our research being plastered across the hinterlands is usually this product does not work. There were no demonstrated results. And inherently, all of those random clinically controlled trials are measurements of how much people take, never measurements of the actual level of the nutrient in your body. So this is where we sort of marshaled our forces around these issues to submit this three-foot-tall stack of paper to the FDA saying serum levels matter, and this is the dramatic impact of serum levels on vitamin D. And also pregnant women should do this in consultation with their physicians. 
So as I understand, FDA denied this petition. Can you talk about why they said they did this and, and more on that? So I've worked in D.C. since 1983. I've uh, been engaged in conversations with the agencies from the first day that I started as a very young person. And I don't think I've seen a more contentious set of meetings ever. Um, so, you know, wow. the submission goes, the submissions go. And then there were two meetings, um, a large contingency of FDA representation. And, and our contingency was significant as well. As, as most people know, Todd Harrison is president of our board and the head of the FDA practice at Venable. Uh, we brought Carol in from Grassroots Health. So we had a significant knowledge base there. And it became clear during the conversation that the orientation of FDA was not going to accept our premise. And as we pushed and pushed as to why they couldn't evaluate the difference between the dosage of vitamin D um, versus the level of vitamin D in your blood, the only fallacy that they could point to in those portions of the studies that we were referencing around that related to not controlling for people going into the sun. So essentially what we're de dealing with is a, a hospital in South Carolina where women on, sub, you know, on Medicare, Medicaid plans primarily, subsidized health care, who may have more than one child, may have two or three, may have two or three jobs, have engaged and decided to go into this study and participate and increase their vitamin D levels. And the fallacy that they kept pointing back to was, you haven't controlled for them going outside and getting sunlight, which seemed rather preposterous. So one of the conclusions that was stated at the table as we tried to get a logical sense of how to proceed was stated, in, and I wrote it down so I have it, is science doesn't allow you to apply common sense. So it became oh clear goodness. at the end of the meeting. Yes, <laughs> it was rather startling. That's why I wrote it down. So it became clear that systemically, um, while we're being hammered on the outside for not being able to demonstrate changes in health status related to consumption of nutrients that aren't food-based, um, well, are, are actual food versus dietary supplements, that there was no, that structurally the FDA has put itself in a in a situation over time, and with the benefit I'm sure of interpretation of regulation, that this is just not a possibility when it comes to a health claim. So time goes on, and we have a second call, and the second call opens with, we're not going to approve a qualified health claim, to which. 15 minutes into the call, I said, I need to step back because we didn't submit a qualified health claim. So are you telling us we submitted a health claim? So are you telling us that you're not going to approve even if we resubmit so that we can get it posted for comment? Because really, we knew that we had a cadre of people and stakeholders out there that wanted to get this message out. Um, and they basically said, no, we won't approve that either. And then we waited for the letter to come. And that's when they actually denied it. And that's when we saw an open door. And I want to talk about that open door because this sounds such a sad situation, but I love that 
you and ONN took this and saw the silver lining. Um, so what, how does this denial from FDA help actually support health claims for vitamin D? Well, it won't support a health claim, but it will support a structure function claim. Structure function claim. So one of, yeah, see, so that's how we turn it on its head. Because one of the things that we were arguing about was being able to get this information into practitioners' hands. We understand that people are going to have a limited ability and availability to be able to learn all of this. Just because we live in that world all day long doesn't mean the rest of the world does. And they kept pushing that we needed to go take this information to the OBGYN Association ourselves. When we kept saying consumers want to read this on the bottle, that's their. So we said, well, if if vitamin D serum level, as it's as it's stated in the letter, is not a substance, it's not a food or a substance. Well, then there's nothing wrong with saying increased serum levels create healthy, ba- you know, healthier pregnancies. So. We noodled around with that for quite a while because if, if nutrient serum, serum levels don't count, do we then have the ability to say there's a structure function claim that increased serum levels are helpful in, re, in, in reducing preterm birth rates, and then we haven't violated the law. So that's essentially what we created. A, a structure function claim that says, and this is in the letter to FDA, Pregnant women who have higher serum, serum vitamin D levels have a decreased risk of preterm birth. Adding a vitamin D supplement to a healthy diet can help increase serum vitamin D levels. Your healthcare practitioner can measure serum vitamin D levels and determine appropriate dosage of vitamin D3 for you. And this is coming so with, to market, right? It's coming to market. So the process basically says you submit that. And if you don't hear anything, you're good to go. And I presume you followed that. And now you've got a partnership with Simply Good Fats um, regarding this, the structure function claim for vitamin D. Can you talk about that? Well, then, you know, it's funny. I mean, this seems so clear, so easy, and so risk-free. So it took us some time to find one of our members who was um, positioned well to be able to submit the claim on that company letterhead. And that's when we found Simply Good Fats and Naomi Whittle is a new member of our board of directors. And of course, being a mom and being Naomi, she was incredibly supportive of our effort to do this. So she has a bottle with a, a, a modified version of this that we know is on the market and we are now utilizing in our consumer education campaign to, to begin to push this specific message out. But it's actually on a bottle. And one of the main reasons we did that was not that we thought somebody was going to sell an enormous amount of this product on their shelves, but to show the industry that there's another way to skin this cat. That just because the FDA says that serum levels don't matter, we know from our research work and our partnership with Grassroots Health that it absolutely is the secret to being able to demonstrate to consumers that your product is effective. So what I've heard mostly from grassroots health who works with a lot of vitamin D suppliers is that people are very anxious about utilizing this language for fear that they will get in trouble with the FDA, which is one of the reasons I'm excited about being able to do this with you guys and being able to sort of share the story and explain the level of the low level of risk associated with this. 
So what do you, what lessons do you think that other supplement brands can take from the store, even if they don't market vitamin D? Well, we intend to, you know, it takes, it took five years for this most recent omega-3 health claim related to heart to get approved, qualified health claim. So our position on this is, as we continue to grow the body of data associated with nutrient levels around omega-3 and um, our next process will engage magnesium. What we're trying to do now is show people that there, there's a better way to look at data. It doesn't mean you have to exclude clinical trials, but clinical trials were designed for pharmaceuticals, and therefore they measure the impact of a foreign agent in your body, specifically to see if it's effective or it will kill you. Nutrients, as we know, are very different. You already have these nutrients in you. The question is, is what's your body doing with them and how do they interact? So for most people, they take dietary supplements kind of with a prayer and a song. It's not, a, it's not an antibiotic. You don't feel better in three days. Now, that said, you can take magnesium and sleep better day one. But the reality is, is if we're going to be transparent with our consumers and do the best we can to help them, they need to know that certain levels, um, to achieve a certain level, they need to take a different amount. Each person is going to be very different. So that individualized personal health care we all talk about is great, as long as it's empowering people to understand what it is they need to take, why, and how much of it. So for me, it's a bit of a research re-education effort to say, look what we've done with vitamin D. This is significant. Reduction in preterm births of 60% changes not only the finances of our healthcare system, but personal lives and the future of our children. We can't afford to not look at some of our nutrient bases and say, if 80 to 90% of us are deficient in omega-3, we, we have to do something about that. I mean, the study just came out in Finland saying that women who have low vitamin D levels, and that they didn't measure any post-level, they didn't give them anything, but they're evaluating that and they found that the rates of ADHD are higher. So we're short-sighting ourselves by not taking the time to do this work and putting our faith in what's actually happening in our bodies and relying instead on sort of this quote gold standard that doesn't really fit. I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining me on this podcast and for going over some of this stuff. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.